Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're gonna give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. You are listening to Ohio Conference Cast, a podcast dedicated to sharing missional stories and other information about Ohio Mennonite Conference. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ohio Conference Cast. This is Thomas, and we have a couple of special guests with us. One is the guest that we are interviewing, so I'll let you introduce yourself. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, my name is Susan Schultz Huxman. I am president of Eastern Mennonite University, and I've served there for a little over two and a half years. It's great to be up in the Wayne County, Holmes County area. Good. Glad to have you. Our tried and true co-host is still sabbaticaling. So we have two substitutes with us this afternoon, and why don't you guys introduce yourself? I don't know if we can fill in for Bill or not, but we'll try. I'm Doug Zare. I'm lead pastor at the Oak Grove Mennonite Church at Smithville. And I'm Miriam Zare, and I'm the associate pastor at Oak Grove in Smithville. President Huxman, why don't you start off and tell us a little bit about yourself, and maybe even before that, tell us a little bit about what what brings you up here. We're we're wondering, what what got you to Oak Grove this weekend? (laughs) Well, thanks again for the invitation to share. In some sense, as I said, I've only been here two and a half years. I had a uh, a wonderful gig, so to speak, at Conrad Grable University College in Waterloo, Ontario for five and a half years. A wonderful place after having served in a dean capacity for Wichita State University for 20 years. It was a great place to raise our family. My husband was in the media business, three children. We share many values, but one of the things that we have been very much uh, in favor of for a long, long time, regardless of church dynamics and church politics, is that we we fervently believe in the power of faith-based education, and and in particular, Anabaptist Mennonite education. We had incentives built in for a long time that all three of our kids would choose a Mennonite school for their education. Part of the reason that I am here is not that I was dissatisfied with Conrad Grable. They had some term limits up there that made me think, well, maybe if another Mennonite college came calling, I might want to take a look. I I feel enormously blessed and humbled and honored uh, to serve uh, Eastern Mennonite University, and I recognize and very much support the fact it has Anabaptist values to the core, and so I see it as part of my role as president to either when I have invitations or I see where some of our students are coming from, to reach out and say, might I be able to resource your fellowship period or your worship period? Uh, I did that with great, great regularity in the five and a half years I was at Conrad Grable. And I see it as a, as a real treat and a real journey because I learn wherever I go. I learn from uh, those in the pew and I get a chance to, uh, again, promote why Mennonite schools matter. So to follow up on that, um, I was just wondering, what are your selling points for a faith-based and especially a Mennonite institution? Like if you came to our youth group and would say, I really think you should consider a Mennonite college or university, how would you sell them? That's a great point, and uh, I do like to speak passionately about that. For starters, we are small, and the 12 to 1 faculty to student ratio is very, very important, and it allows us to teach into our values of community building and peace and service and Christian discipleship. 
it's hard to live into those values if you have a class of 500. I'm not saying that community can't happen, but the smallness is important. And the kind of faculty who come to teach at our Mennonite schools, EMU included, are all about teaching undergraduates right from the beginning. You don't wait until you're a senior. If you go to a big school, if you go to a state school, you you might get a full professor your junior year, uh, but probably not till your senior year. And these faculty want to come and work with 17 and 18-year-olds, not just on their academic journey, but also in terms of their relational and spiritual journey. And we have young people who are doing internships. They are publishing with our faculty. So when you think about the value, the value intellectually, the, the value in gaining a community of friends, and that includes faculty for a lifetime, and the value in growing in your walk with Jesus, that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, so I, I just think, again, the size, the kind of faculty that we recruit, what our mission is to prepare students to serve and lead in a global context, and to do that in the spirit of scriptures is really powerful. And our alumni tell us that. So it's it's partly me as president saying that, but our alumni uh, report really strong satisfaction, especially of late, strong satisfaction in in uh, what they what they learned, uh, the takeaways both in the classroom and outside the classroom. Well, this weekend we invited Dr. Huxman to come to Oak Grove, and we're glad Susan's here with us. Every September we celebrate Christian Formation Sunday. And uh, usually our church's tradition is to invite either a president from one of the church colleges or someone of that stature, nature, uh, to join us in worship. Oak Grove has been a long supporter of church schools. Uh, Not only do we do things like inviting representatives from there, uh, scholarships for our kids that choose uh, uh, colleges of the church. This is important and valuable we're discovering that a lot of our young people are not choosing to go to the church colleges. And uh, we support our young people. Every MYFR youth group member gets an opportunity to go to convention two times uh, during their high school career. So they get exposed to the colleges at convention. Of course, uh, we support uh, them in other ways as well with information. So the, the concern is, is that they feel like there's a drifting away, that uh, colleges aren't supporting them in the way that they would like to be supported, and they're choosing other options, and that's a concern for us. Well, Doug, I thank you uh, and Miriam for supporting our prospective students, whether they go to EMU or Goshen or right. Heston or Bethel or, or other schools. I think that's great, and sending them to conference is wonderful. I was in Kansas City this summer, and just it's it's good to go for many reasons, but it's good to go to see the the spirit of the youth, and they lead uh, programs for us, and they're our future. And so, you know, paying attention to why they're not wanting to choose Mennonite colleges or private colleges, I think, is important. And it's one of the reasons that I'm here, and I thank you for the invitation to be at Oak Grove uh, tomorrow. And it's one of the reasons two years ago I I came and brought the message at Berlin and last year at Zion Church in Archibald because mm-hmm. we we want our students from our Mennonite churches to consider very strongly uh, EMU and if there are concerns or there uh, there is a feeling that there's a challenge 
We want to hear those. Some of the challenges, uh, Doug, that we have heard relates to price point. Right. Uh, that that right away there is, well, this is what it's going to cost me to go to a community college. This is what it'll cost me to go to a state college. And now here is EMU's price. And we get that. I mean, that is, it's a wonderful kind of concern to have because we want to make EMU affordable and we are very much committed. This is a, this is a social mobility and an equity issue. We want to make our universities affordable. So we have all kinds of scholarships. We always say just, you know, don't give up on us, especially if you're looking to graduate in four years. We really do think in many, many respects, we can offer the same rate as your flagship state school for tuition because we're going to we're going to graduate you in 4 years that state school is going to take you 6 years and we package together a variety of scholarships need based academic based legacy based mennonite based and you know want to make sure that it doesn't feel like it's a it's a real stretch price point we've heard we've also heard increasingly that proximity to home mm-hmm. is an issue right. uh, it used to be back in the day that uh, students actually wanted to get away. The right. further, the further, the better, right? Mm-hmm, and right. and uh, we're finding for some, and you know, we need to to think about that as well. What what can we do maybe to get people to revisit the distance? Uh, we do have a a campus in Lancaster, especially in terms of the applied uh, liberal arts, that has worked worked for some. But it it is just six hours. I like to say, and it's a comfortable six hours. And if you can find others from. Highland or Central Christian or wherever who are coming at the same time, that can help too. Those are the two primary ones that we hear, price point and proximity, because we have over 50 majors and we can, with rare exception, can meet people where they are in terms of academic rigor and the prestige of the program and outcomes uh, for placement and possibilities. We, we do a pretty good job. In preparation for for this interview, we had a, a pastor peer gathering this past week, and so I, we asked the pastors, "What questions would we ask? Would you like to ask President Huxman on this this interview?" So I got a couple here, and the first one is, and if you're from Ohio Conference, you can guess who this question came from. Okay, uh, <laughs> but in, in what ways is EMU partnering with the Hispanic community to make a college ex, uh, college education more accessible for them? That's a great question. Uh, diversity is a hallmark of EMU. And as I was looking about uh, whether I wanted to even accept this call, I asked a lot of questions about diversity. It, not only is it in the strategic plan, but we measure this very carefully. Even this year's first-year class compared to last year's, which was pretty good, we had 28% uh, minority uh, students, uh, many of those Hispanic. I'll get to the actual Hispanic mm-hmm. question in a little bit. But it plays into our larger piece about the power of diversity and the beauty of diversity among the, the student body. Uh, we recognize that in the faculty ranks, we are still predominantly white. We are working on that end, too. But just this year, we have moved from 28% minority for first year to 36%. And our academic performance is still what it has been. Like uh, the average GPA of our students coming in for this year, we have 258 new students, which is a really strong enrollment number for us. The average GPA is 3.6, and it's a more diverse class. And we just say that's a win on on both scores. Uh, we have a very vibrant Latino student alliance that works in concert with our Black Student Union and our international uh, student organization. 
and uh, we appreciate that kind of mix. We have some very specific scholarships for what we call AHANA students, which are Asian, Hispanic, African American, and Native American. And some of those are designated for DREAMers and other undocumented students, which by and large are are Hispanic. And that has been a joy to work with some new donors just on student scholarships for these kinds of students at the margin, uh, which generally are Hispanic. Now, that's first-year students. We also have some ways in which we are supporting Hispanic students in our seminary for for both uh, the Masters of Divinity and for our Masters in Christian uh, Formation. So this is a community. I don't need to tell you all that that's where the growth in Anabaptism is Mm -hmm. in the Global South, and our Hispanic uh, leaders, uh, Hispanic churches, uh, can really uh, give us increasing guidance uh, for how we could even do it better. We know that when we recruit most Hispanic students, we need to also be recruiting the family, uh, and we're receptive to that. We've learned some things. Carlos Romero, who is a, a close friend of mine, former uh, executive director of Mennonite Education Agency, has really helped us at EMU to how we can perfect these kinds of communications and make sure that we are really bringing Hispanic students in at all levels, uh, undergraduate and, and graduate. It's a commitment, it's a calling, uh, and it makes us better as a, as a campus community. Thank you, President Huxman. Here's another question that came from uh, an Ohio Conference pastor. They asked, how would you respond uh, to a family or families from our Ohio Conference churches that are concerned that EMU does not represent the theology and values of Ohio Conference? So I can't unpack that question further because that person is not here, but um, for what it's worth, how would you respond to that? Well, I think it's good to get theological questions. I don't know if I would call them theological challenges. One of the both beauties and challenges we have as what I like to call a full-service university of the 1,700 students we have, 800 who are undergraduates, uh, not quite 800 who are uh, graduate students, they come from all over, while many of them understand the Bible, know the Bible. In fact, many of them select us because we are a Christian university. We have a whole lot of other students who do not know the Bible, who do not even identify as Christian. They're not opposed to religion. They just haven't either found uh, the church or have had a poor experience and have left the church. And and so the largest group of students that come to us are designated as the nuns, uh, those that really haven't identified a denomination. So we see that as an ecumenical and, and an evangelical challenge, right? We want to make what does Christianity uh, mean in as much of an invitational way as possible? So we, it, it's simple, but I wouldn't say it's simplistic. Just the fact that our faculty and our staff and our administration want to celebrate Christmas and Easter and Pentecost, that may seem really simple, but we do that. We do that, every, you know, and we have now a required uh, chapel experience that hasn't happened before in a long time. Just as of last year, every Wednesday from 10.10 to 11, uh, we have different kinds of chapel opportunities for students. Uh, Our faculty also lead some of those breakout worship sessions, and in fact, we strongly encourage them to share their faith journey with students. We are trying to say, look, we are a faith 
faith-based university. We are unabashedly Anabaptist. We will talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus, why going on a service project uh, in the spring as opposed to going on a regular spring break trip is one of the best ways to show Christ's love. And so we work, again, this is very simple, but we think very profound. We, we work on, as we say, both axes of the cross, that we work with people. We meet students where they are first. We meet them where they are, and we work on ways in which to, to make it understandable and exciting to establish the personal uh, connection, the personal salvation piece, and then uh, the relational piece in terms of how do we help our neighbor. I think most of our students don't even know what that word theology means, and we mm-hmm. t- we try to we we try to think about what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus in the context of learning and serving and building community. And again, that seems maybe simple. What we have students tell us, whether they came in with much of a faith calling or not, uh, when they leave, whether they leave as Anabaptists or Mennonites, they leave with a profound understanding and appreciation of who we are uh, as Anabaptists. What our research tells us is if students go to a Christian university, they're much more likely to stay in the church. Uh, I, I recognize Christian universities, there's a, there's a real swath of, of, of differences. I don't typically use labels of conservative, liberal. I, maybe I would use the label of traditional Christian universities and post-traditional Christian universities. I think we would all speak to the importance of the triune God and that we need to be uh, engaged in, in the Bible. I also get to bring the convocation message at least twice uh, a semester and in- introduce the Bible through characters that they can relate to. I-, I do know that when pastors have questions about where we are theologically, I think the the best answer is to continue it to engage. You know, what is the question or the concern or the confusion? Partnerships are important to us at a lot of levels, and if we want to partner with the church, we need to partner with our pastors. And partnering means listening. And let me, let me yeah. push that out just yeah. a little bit further. Then you use the word uh, how to name the the different traditions yeah. or whatever, and. So Ohio Conference would tend to be probably much more traditional. Uh-huh. There would be concerns on that end of the spectrum in terms of what direction not only the denomination is going, but the denomination schools. And oftentimes, I think, if you listen to pastors, you hear us saying that we see the schools ahead of the denomination mm-hmm. and drifting from the denomination uh, maybe drifting isn't the right word, but leading the denomination and maybe away from the traditional uh, mm-hmm. position that we hold dear. For instance, probably predating your time at Eastern Mennonite, Eastern Mennonite dropped out of the Evangelical Association of Colleges, and that was that was a deep concern to many of the churches in this area, and so that that kind of pushes that where that question comes from, I think, uh, out a little bit further. So, Yeah, I, I think it is, it's so valuable to have colleagues in the, 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 the Christian uh, uh, College uh, Consortium, the CCCU, I think okay. is what it was, was called. And I, I will tell you, I lament not having regular 
conversations, uh, in formal, regular conversations. I do know several of them, sure. uh, and will call them up for all kinds of advice. And I see them, many of them, uh, each year at at the the Council of Independent Colleges, which is highly populated with faith based presidents. Yes, not having that place at the table, uh, it puts us. You know, it puts us in a challenging Mm -hmm. uh, situation. So uh, finding alternate ways in which we can uh, listen and understand and partner uh, and pray with with those who we used to do so regularly with would I I would welcome that in in a in a very real sense. I do know that one of the reasons why listening is important to those who who hold to more traditional understandings of. A Christian university maybe being more like a, a Bible uh, college uh, is that when, for instance, we really push our students to understand peace building, let's say, or to go on uh, cross-cultural trips where they can learn to understand the conflict, let's say, between Israelis and, and Palestinian, we want to make sure that it doesn't get so far afield that it becomes a kind of political advocacy just for the sake of political advocacy, mm-hmm. that why would we want to understand the Palestinian-Israeli question? And that has to come back to some fundamental principles of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to name Jesus as Lord. So I hear that, and it's a it's an important kind of concern that we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in just just the advocacy piece. We we just want to to do something for a political uh, bent. And and Mennonites have a long history with that, particularly in times of of war. You you know back mm-hmm. back when the draft was was very mm-hmm. real, there were political objectors to the war, and then there were religious objectors, and they were very different uh, kinds of objectors to the war, and so. Religious objectors, again, were trying to keep these two things together of witnessing uh, on behalf of their Christian beliefs, but that also meant taking a particular political uh, stance. But right. it was, again, anchored in the scriptures. And so I, I hear that I think these are important kinds of observations that pastors can share with us if they sense this happening or they get wind of something. I always like to say, well, you know, tell me, tell me where you're coming from. I think the other other piece of, uh, or another piece of this question, you touched on this uh, uh, in terms of studying the Bible, and and that the liberal arts college is not a Bible college, um, but the Bible department is is significant part mm-hmm. of Eastern Mennonite, and I think one of the questions, as I listened to pastors the other day as well, or as uh, other pastors and and this kind of question is we have a shortage of church leaders coming out of the seminary and it seems to me that while while the bible department of the college is not a direct link to the seminary for some it is and and for some people they see that as being the link and maybe being the reason why there are fewer persons going to the seminary and the seminary and the college are are kind of connected at mm-hmm. Eastern Mennonite, so there there's a place where this concern uh, kind of is pointed. Why are there fewer students going that track and going to the seminary then? 
Yeah, that that's a national trend too. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Mennonite pastors or Methodist pastors, we train a lot of Methodist pastors right. as well in our seminary. We have a wonderful articulation agreement with the Methodist Church in the Commonwealth. One of the economic realities that our students see is that there is not the same kind of calling for a full-time ministry position in most of our, or many of our Anabaptist churches. And so the bivocational mm-hmm. pastor uh, is a very real phenomena. Mm-hmm. And that has, yes, that has implications when we think about, you know, our other we have 11 graduate programs at EMU. Our, our seminary is a really important one for us, but our other graduate programs, too, are always looking at, so if you come in counseling or if you get an MBA, what is the job market out there, right? right. And so we've had a harder time in the seminary saying, hey, there's going to be these 25 openings in the Northeast, and so this is a reason why you should continue here. So that's one, I think, important feature of it. I do know that we work very hard in our Bible and religion department to get undergraduates interested in the ministry. We have a MIP program, the, the ministry right. inquiry program. We actually call it the ministry intern program. We had six students last summer, and they all gave the opening church service at our, our very first uh, Sunday morning service when all of our new students were there. And they each shared, these undergraduates each shared where they were placed and what they learned, and it was a really energizing time. And what they all identified was that it wasn't just, you know, you're not just shadowing, you know, the lead ministers or, you know, helping in a Sunday school class. They got to preach. They got to be with people uh, in times of joy and grief and really got to try it on for size. Do I have the the emotional uh, maturity and the intellectual uh, stamina and the theological and prayerful Fortitude was the word that one young man used to do this. And in at least the cases that were shared, they said, this has reaffirmed my interest. Mm -hmm. So we do have some matching uh, grant monies for when churches, if they know there's going to be a, a, a leadership vacancy. You know, and it's not just EMU. Other Mennonite schools have this as well. I'd really strongly say, you know, we, we're going to have an internship opening because we know we're going to have a, a youth pastor open or associate pastor open. And I think that's maybe a good strategic way of getting students to say, hey, we're, we're really interested in young people staying in the church. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure young people are in our pulpits. I'm smiling a little bit because if you're talking about emotional maturity, intellectual <laughs> maturity, and theological maturity, I don't know if I'd qualify for oh, Thomas. Oh, Thomas. <laughs> they hire that person in Ohio Conference right away. Well, Thomas, uh, humility is also important <laughs> in the Mennonite faith, so yeah. maybe we would put that in there as well. Well, I uh, again, I just would get back to uh, why I feel uh, so gratified to have the position uh, uh, that I do, and I also want to say that the demands of the presidency, which are seven days a week, pastors know this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you still take Mondays off, right, or, or not. <laughs> no, take a day. Uh, no. The presidency is a partnership, too, and I've, I've just been very, very thankful that uh, my husband, uh, Jesse, has seen this as a calling for both of us, uh, we really enjoy entertaining students and faculty and staff and supporters and alumni in our homes. Hospitality has been our middle name uh, since we were in, in Wichita, but also at, at Conrad Grable. And we learn so much from our students. We just had uh, 40 student leaders, community advisors in our home about three weeks ago. 
and just to listen to why they want to be uh, resident directors and pastoral uh, directors is just so energizing. They're full of anticipation. They're full of idealism in, in not naive ways. They're, they're excited about the church, which is also important, and, and they see possibilities there. One of them, in fact, was at MCUSA, and one of our students was one of the, the leading individuals that helped push the age requirement for becoming a delegate down to, what is it, 16 or 17 or 18? And she just says, we need more and more young people in our church. And I said, Leah, you go, girl. This is what we need to hear. They keep us young. And there is uh, there is just a real gift. There are holy moments that we experience uh, in our home, uh, in church, on campus, in the classroom. Uh, maybe the thing I miss about what I'm doing now is that it hasn't brought me back into the classroom. I, I come to the presidency from the academic ranks. I was a, an academic for 25 years, and I enjoy working with students on their intellectual journey and on their faith journey, where I worked most of my my time. I didn't have that opportunity. I was in uh, secular universities, Research One universities, Publish and Parish universities. And so being able, as I was at Conrad Grable, to both teach and to lead it was it was just fabulous to share my knowledge of my discipline, but also to share my faith journey with my students. That that's just tremendous. And so having the ability to do that for our current faculty, I I think is 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 really important. Uh, many moons ago, I was a point guard in high school and and in college. And of course, the most important statistic for a point guard is assists. And I do like to think that's my role as president of E of U is to assist our faculty and staff in, in helping, uh, helping them score for our, for our students. And I'm sometimes a super sub. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great place to be. And uh, our enrollment looks good this year, which I'm pleased. Our financial positioning is strong. Uh, I don't take that lightly. That's a that's a blessing, and it's also a anthem for the successful alumni fundraising that we have. Forbes Forbes magazine named us a best return on investment university in the country. It was based on two things: did your university prepare you for the workplace and for life? What's your satisfaction level with that? And the second is, do you give back to your university with some regularity in terms of philanthropic support? And we rated very high in both of those. And so I think that speaks volumes to those who have experienced an EMU education and say that was really formative in my time. And of course, many of our students meet their future spouse there or friendship groups for a long, long time. So your last comment probably answered this one, but I was just going to ask you, what do graduates of EMU state as one of the greatest gifts of an EMU education? And I know you alluded to the preparation for their job and for life. I didn't know if there's anything else that comes to the fore when you talk to alumni and say, you know, they say what? Yep. Thank you for that question, Miriam. We've been in some really strong uh, branding research this last 18 months. And what we found again and again was that it was not just the academic rigor. And it was not just that they got a job really, really quickly right outside of school. But it was the supportive faculty and, and close-knit community. And most of them will speak incredibly strongly about their cross-cultural experience. We're one of a few schools in the entire country 
uh, that for 40 years now have required students go and learn, get immersed in another culture. doesn't have to be overseas. doesn't have to be in the Middle East or South America or Africa or Europe. Uh, it can be Washington, D.C., can be Atlanta, Georgia, can be in Biloxi, Mississippi. But they talk about that as so formative because they're with their peers and they're with faculty. They're learning to uh, understand a discipline. They're learning to serve. And many of them mention that as their most important faith formation piece as well. Well, President Huxman, thank you for taking the time to to sit down with us. Thank you, Miriam and Doug, for co-hosting and for Norm for taking care of us and making sure we all sound good. Thank you, everyone. And this is Ohio Conference Cast signing off. Ohio people with Mennonite views and they're gonna give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. Thank you for listening to another edition of Ohio Conference Cast. We would love to hear from you. Our email is ohioconferencecast at gmail.com. Ohio Conference Cast is brought to you by the Ohio Conference Leadership Team, along with Norm Sohar, sound engineer, Megan Sohar, voiceover, Ann Lehman, publisher, and our many guests and listeners. <laughs>